When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Welcome to Ireland's Birth Stories, a podcast created for women to share their experiences with pregnancy and birth. My name is Cora Gernon and I've created this space to enable women to share their experiences from start to finish without feeling shy about the detail. If you would like to support the podcast, you can do so through Patreon. I have attached the link on the website. So if you just visit the website, irelandsbirthstories.ie, you can then find the Patreon link there. Thank you to those that have. I'm delighted to say this month the podcast is brought to you by Ergo Baby. So Ergo Baby was launched in 2003 by mother and clothing designer Karen Frost. Living in Maui, she was searching for a baby carrier that would allow her to enjoy her active outdoor lifestyle and daily routine without having to sacrifice precious bonding time. After trying seven different carriers with varying degrees of success, Karen developed her own soft, structured carrier. And since then, the brand has been on a mission to empower families to bond, grow and thrive by creating premium baby products with comfort and mind while never compromising on function and quality. Today, Urger Baby offers a broad range of award-winning baby carriers, including the new OmniBreeze. So the OmniBreeze innovation design means both wearer and baby benefit for maximum airflow and maximum comfort. Its lightweight, soft flex mesh allows both parent and baby to stay cool and dry all day, while padded shoulder straps and lumbar support ensure parents' comfort. And its deep bucket seat and padded neck support mean baby stays comfortable too. Suitable from birth up to 20 kg and ergonomically offering all four carry positions, the OmniBreeze is the only carrier parents will ever need. Like all Ergo Baby carriers, the OmniBreeze is designated hip healthy by the International Hip Dysplasia Institute and comes with the Ergo Promise Lifestyle Guarantee. Head over to ergobaby.ie and use the code IBSERGO10 to avail of 10% off all carriers and wraps, valid from the 17th to the 24th of May 2021. In this week's episode, I chat to Sarah and she talks me through her three pregnancies and births. So before we dive into Sarah's birth stories, she talks me through a little bit about tapping. So many of you will know Sarah from others speaking about her services. So she specialises in EFT, which is emotional freedom technique. And she helps many women through um, PTSD or previous experiences which have caused trauma. We then dive into her birth stories, but I do want to let you know that Sarah discusses the loss of her little girl Alice so Alice was five days old when she passed and she discusses those circumstances so you might not be in a place to listen to this episode we actually listened to it at the start but in the second half of the episode we talk about her two subsequent experiences with 
pregnancy and birth. So she went on to have a planned C-section, which was then followed by, by a, a VBAC, which was a really gorgeous story. So for anyone who wants to get in touch with Sarah directly, I will link all of her details in the show notes and also her own podcast, Topping Into, which some of you might find useful. Sarah, you're very welcome to the Ireland's Birth Stories podcast. I'm really looking forward to our chat this evening. Oh, thank you so much for asking me. Not at all. I've spoken to so many women over the past couple of months who have mentioned your name and told me that they've gone to you for guidance and support, whether it be throughout a pregnancy journey or after suffering loss or just life experience in general. So will we just get a gist on tapping first before we talk about your birth stories? Thank you. Um, Firstly, I'm honoured that other people are talking about it and how I've helped them. That like really makes my heart burst. So thanks to all those girls. Um, yeah, so tapping, let's kind of get kick into the the formal side of what it is and how it works. It's um, it is a self help tool. So this is something that is just amazing for helping you release emotions as you have them, um, and. It works by tapping, like physically using your hand or two hands to tap on your body on key, key energy points. So this dates back really to acupuncture and acupressure. You know, this is like 3000 years old modality, but it, what you do is you combine it with a bit more psychology or talk therapy. So you're talking about how you're feeling, you know, really feeling how you're feeling and at the same time, you're tapping on the points in the body. And what this actually does, it kind of is like a brain hack. It switches off your fight, flight, freeze response. And you, you know that we, we get into that when we have a bad experience or when somebody tells us something negative about ourselves. You know, when your kind of sense of self is threatened or we are scared physically for our safety. So these things all kind of really put us into stress mode. And when that happens, we, you know, our body is flooded with cortisol and adrenaline. And, you know, that is perfectly a brilliant strategy by the brain and the body working together to get us out of dodge, to kind of get us moving or to get us to defend ourselves in what it is verbally or physically. Um, or we can freeze, which is also, you know, like procrastination is a part of freezing. You know, when we feel um stressed we can put off doing things that are hard and that's often the freeze part so this is how our body reacts to stress um and long term the cortisol and the adrenaline are not good in our body that's when we kind of head towards chronic illnesses insomnia diabetes um fibromyalgia uh all sorts of illnesses and ailments come from the lack of our bodies being able to do what they're supposed to do, which is rest, regeneration, recovery, right? So every cell in your body is supposed to work optimally, you know, cleanses, you know, gets rid of toxins, it evolves, it changes, it grows and all that kind of stuff. And when we're in our fight, flight, freeze mode, it can't do any of those things. So that's why we get a buildup of toxins in the body which then can lead to illnesses and things like that so it's really important that we actually process and release our traumas our negative emotions um and on kind of on an ongoing basis like this is you know I was talking to somebody the day it's like we wash the dishes every day right multiple times a day and it's kind of like the same thing we kind of should be 
looking at and validating and releasing our emotions daily. Um, But none of us know really how to do that, right? We're not taught that in school. Certainly our generation wasn't. I think they're getting better at that now in terms of, you know, mindfulness and yoga and things like that. Um, And yeah, there's many ways to release emotions and tapping was absolutely the best thing that I have found. And I tried a lot of things in, you know, some very dark places. Um, And it really, it really works. And you know, I just, it came to me in a time of my life where I really needed something, something big to shift me from where I was. And and it did that. And uh, yeah, I'm so grateful to the tool for that, really. What I was intrigued by about tapping from speaking to other women is the release is nearly immediate. Yeah. So they have felt um, after even after one session, they have felt the effects of tapping. Yeah. I think what what is unique about tapping is when you do the work and you do the tapping and you're doing it correctly on the bigger trauma. So I'm talking about like maybe going back to a past event. Tapping is amazing on on big trauma stuff. Um, When you do that, you release the trauma for good. So it's not like you're then having to every day go back and 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 do something like when you go back and you do the clearing and you release the, the emotion it's gone. So you can recall the event of what happened. You can, you can remember the person that you've lost. You can even have memories of the really traumatic parts of that, but the heat is gone. The, the raw emotion is gone. And that's what I just found so powerful. Like I had my first session, I rang my husband straight away and I was like, the tears that I, I cried you like the first full hour and a half session, but the tears were were different. It was like I was really finely letting go, not just um, tears that made me feel worse. These were tears that made me feel better. I can't even describe that properly. Um, it was so releasing that I thought that was, it was a pivotal change in my life. Like this, absolutely, that first session with my amazing therapist, Kate, was a pivotal moment for me. And do you think that counselling, talk therapy, therapy, just speaking to someone um, on a professional level about you know something that you're struggling with, do you think we could all benefit from that? From from a personal experience last year after I had Eva, we were in the height of lockdown, I definitely benefited from a few sessions with a counsellor and it's been honestly life-changing for me. So uh, I'm definitely an advocate for it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I feel um, personally, I did try counselling and I didn't find it helpful at all. Um, But that was, it was like, I I think also was a gel with the counsellor at the time. Um, For me, talking, just talking alone almost reinforces the pain and the trauma. So, um, you know, it's like when you're telling the same story over and over, it's like you're walking up and down a path, like a meadow. And at the beginning, your story is fresh and new and that path hasn't really formed properly. And then the more you tell that story, the more you're making that path stronger and deeper. So it's like you're actually ingraining the experience more. So, But when I feel like when I do this work, it's it's much more, and that's that's the conscious part of your brain. You know, the conscious part of your brain that's telling the story. 
But when I do the tapping and other work that I do, energy healing, I suppose, or I don't know what you call it now, um, it's all in the subconscious. And that's where you're holding your trauma, you're holding your pain and your emotions and everything and, and the beliefs about about situations and about yourself. And so actually going to do the work in the subconscious is where I feel and believe you need to be. And the conscious part of the brain has 95% of the brain power. So when you're working in the conscious mind and you're 5%, you know, loads of people do this kind of like um, trying to change their beliefs. You know, they they wake up every day and they say positive affirmations and they're really working really hard to try and change their beliefs, but they're still doing that from the 5%. So I really believe that you've got to get into the the 95, you've got to stay, you've got to do it in the subconscious. And that's why I feel like the tapping and a lot of the visualizations and meditations that I do with people, they're all in the subconscious. And that's why I feel it has a, has a deeper impact and a quicker, quicker shift. There's no doubt you can change things from the, the conscious mind, but I just think it takes longer. And I am definitely one for like a quick healing process. You know, I've, I, I couldn't cope with the six, eight weeks and 10 weeks of therapy talking about the same thing like that was just not 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 didn't float my boat so when I knew like when I learned that this would be something that would I think have an immediate impact and I and you could feel it within minutes I was like oh yeah I definitely want some of that sounds like you could build on it daily and you can enjoy the process rather than uprooting something that was traumatic in the past would that be right yeah, like I think when you have, when you have, when you go back and you do that work on a trauma, you, and as I said, you're releasing it from the trauma. Can you imagine like um, your trauma experience in a bubble? And that is like a, a dark energy color bubble. And every time you think of that or, or, or go into that bubble, jump into that bubble, you're, you're literally taking on the energy of what you experienced at the time. So what the tapping does is goes back to that memory but it gets rid of the color so basically it takes away all the the gray or the dark energy and actually you can put in more positive energy instead um so therefore any other any time thereafter and you think about that or you somebody says something that potentially would be triggering or may have triggered you in the past you just don't have that same response so things like PTSD like I was diagnosed with severe PTSD two years after the event not at the time um when the psychologist or psychiatrist was assessing me for something and he said um yeah you you definitely had severe PTSD and he couldn't believe how I'd shifted my mindset he in fact then went to go and research tapping after I had that um, assessment with him which was quite amazing and he came back to say yeah, keep it up. Like whatever you're doing is is working amazingly for you. So what I use tapping on now is like a whole bunch of other things. So I don't need to go back to do that work because I have done, I've done it. So what I'm using tapping on now is like my daily emotions that come up or any inner child work or any triggers that I might experience that are nothing to do with the event it's more to do with you know the schoolyard bullying or not feeling good enough or or these other kind of things so yeah I kind of have done that and I'm sure there is probably elements of things to be released still but it's not causing me any kind of day-to-day um sadness like I have no 
guilt or heavy weight or grief, like all of that is gone. I've totally accepted the situation, forgiven myself, forgiven the people involved and, you know, just really been able to move forward with my life. And I don't think I would have been able to do that if I hadn't done some form of deeper healing work. So throughout the past year, we've really had to sit with ourselves a lot more without the interruptions mm-hmm. of everyday life from even from friends and family. So we've really had to kind of dive, dig in deep to get through the past year, but also rediscover parts of us that have probably been muted due to a busy lifestyle. Do you think that that we're kind of opening up to other things, like we're feeling things a lot more when it comes to nature, emotions, ourselves, just being in touch with ourselves a lot more? Do you think that's that's shining through because I do I think I think it is absolutely and I've talked to many people about this and there and I think a lot of us are seeing this across the board um what this last year has done is taken away the noise and brought us home literally to to our physical homes to connect deeper with our families and a, a much deeper connection with nature because many of us just spent time outdoors especially particularly last last year. Um, and when the noise is stripped away and when we can't go and do things and don't have all these kind of like rugby class on a Saturday or dance class on a Sunday or swimming or whatever, there is time and there's time to, to sit with yourself and, and see and observe what you really feel about things. Because, you know, sometimes we just literally on a, on a treadmill, we've got this routine, we're in it, we're going and we don't stop. Um, and so I think for many people that treadmill, they were able to to feel. And I think many people realized that what they were feeling was not was not joy and not love. Um, and they realized that now is an opportunity to actually do something about that. And and facing, I suppose, with potential fear of facing it, but but bravely facing um, the fact that maybe not everything is as they had wanted it, or maybe they aren't happy in that job, or maybe they haven't released some of the trauma that they've experienced, or maybe they don't feel as loved as they should do, or and that and that kind of thing. And I think people are deciding now is the time to actually do the work, which is amazing. Will we talk about how tapping came into your life and your birth experiences? Yes. So, um. It was November 2014 and um, I was nine months pregnant um, with a baby girl and I'm living over in the UK. So we um, were going to the local hospital for all of our appointments and everything was absolutely fine. Um, We went into labour or I went into labour at home and by the time we got to the hospital, I was five centimetres dilated. Everything was good. We, I got into the birthing pool um, and we had a, you know, great midwife. Things were going okay, but things were slowing down a little bit. I was pretty out of it. Like I had done hypnobirthing, so I was kind of really in the zone. I wasn't really focusing on anything much around me. You know, I was just kind of like focusing and it was kind of around three or four, five in the morning so that the pool, the room was dark. There was, you know, those little fake candles around. I had my hypnobirthing music on blaring in the room and it was just really nice. And um, uh, there was a shift change at around 7am, I think, or maybe earlier. And at that point, um, 
that midwife became concerned about, so they were using the Doppler, but they came concerned about the heart rate. Um, so it was decided that I would be taken out of the pool into a, another room and be put on a trace. Now, we, <laughs> jumping ahead a bit, but basically there was, there was negligence, unfortunately, on the part of the midwife and the hospital. Um, so things didn't happen. In, in, and, and what I mean by is like, the first trace she put on, she couldn't get to work. The second trace didn't work either. So it was a third trace by the time they got the trace on me working properly. And at that point, she never took my maternal pulse to check it against baby's pulse so that they could always have a test, check the difference. Um, And then there was these stickers that weren't completed and a bunch of other things that transpired hadn't been done. So what really happened was, we think that Alice's um, oxygen supply got compressed or stopped. And we think possibly cord compression. And now we don't know why or anything, but we think that's that's what it was. But so she was starved of oxygen. So I was kind of pushing for two hours before they realized this. Um, and when they did, uh, they performed, uh, the you know, the alarm bells went, the episiotomy was performed I was still pretty out of it. Um, Alice came out pretty lifeless and floppy and she was immediately on a resource table. And I saw her, you know, for just seconds and then she was taken away. Luckily, we were in a hospital with an amazing uh, neonatal ICU. Um, so she was taken away and put on cooling for 72 hours. Um, and so I suppose, like, looking back at it now, I was I was in a complete kind of, oh, I'm sure she's going to be okay. Like, I really thought she was going to be okay. Um, my husband, on the other hand, had seen everything. He literally nearly passed out. When we were we were left alone in a room for a couple of hours after this, I had to, I had, they decided I had to go for surgery. So after going through everything naturally, then I had to go and kind of have a spinal and get proper surgery done in theatre. Um, so Dave, Dave was like, wanting to pass out kind of in the chair beside me and I was still pretty feeling pretty optimistic um and then I went into surgery and it hit me when I was in there so I don't know what how or why but basically I just started to cry while I was in there and it was like the the previous 12 hours and the particularly the last you know the hours that morning had um had really, really just started to hit me. And I just was shaking and crying. And I suppose the shaking now I think about it is the trauma. Um, but I didn't know that then. Um, so yeah, so basically, you know, I was wheeled up to see her that evening around six o'clock. So that was the first time I just saw her properly. And to me, she, in the, you know, she was the biggest baby by far in that room when you think about it, you know, because the rest of them were all tiny little premature babies. Um, she seemed responsive, you know, I was able to touch her feet and I, I felt like she was responsive. So I still believed that she was going to be okay. Um, but I think those responses were just nerve, you know, nerve ending kind of responses now that, you know, they explained afterwards. So they, the next day the consultant was like, this is not good. Like they, they did her APGAR scores or something, I think it's called. And, um, I luckily have an uncle in America who is a head of a children's hospital. So 
I rang or he rang or I rang or something and he kind of really explained it to us and kind of gave gave me the full lowdown and it was only at that point that I really understood what was what was going to happen um but I'm kind of glad he did because I mean Dave probably grasped it a lot sooner than I did but um we had five days with her in in total and we got her an MRI scan so that See, only babies um, after three days old can have an MRI scan because they basically there's only one, there's only one or two people trained in the whole of the UK to read scans that early on babies, which is just mad, isn't it? You never kind of realise that. So we had to wait for uh, the Monday to get the scan, and then we had to wait another day or two for her to read the scan. This this wonderful lady in London. Um, and then, and then when when it did come back, it was basically inconclusive that there was so much damage that there was never going to be any other option but to withdraw life support. And we we kind of knew that. So within the first few, after the first few days, we kind of knew that that was going to be the case. But we wanted the scan to make sure that our decision was the right one. Um, and we had her christened in that time. My mum and my sister and my dad flew over from Ireland. God, they were there the next morning, actually. So they were, you know, they got literally the first plane out of Ireland, which was amazing. Um, And they were with us the whole time for the five days and Dave's parents and sister. And um, we had her christened in there uh, with the lovely Irish priest, turned out, um, who then went on to do her funeral, which was which was lovely. So, um, yeah, we we took her off life support and let her go I suppose and I can talk about this now without crying purely because I've done work on this (laughs) so it's not like I don't have the emotion it's just that I'm able to to see and talk about it without collapsing and like there was times when I did collapse so you know I've I've moved I've, I've healed a lot since then um I'm very Luckily for us, and I know this is, you know, not the case for a lot of people at the moment, but we were able to have a, a funeral service at a crematorium and we had a hundred people come and that was, we had 20 odd people fly from Dublin and Ireland, you know, it was family and friends, friends who were pregnant came. It was just amazing to have that much support. Like I really, really do feel for people right now who can't, be visible in their grief and 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 get the the hugs and the love that they deserve through these difficult times. So yeah, that that's really hard. Did you have time to sit with Alice outside of NICU? So did yourself and Dave have any alone time with her? Um, just while she was passing, and that I was not prepared for. Like I'm sure many of your listeners and people that have been on may have been in similar situations by the time because it took a lot longer than I thought by the time it came to her going we did have a little bit of time but I was and maybe I do regret a little bit of this I was just I just needed to get out of the hospital I just felt like it was it was done. It was over. You know, we'd had that time with her while she was living, and by the time it was just so exhausting and so heavy and painful. When it was over, I was just like, oh, 
I just have to have to leave the hospital. So we um we did stay that night, but my parents and we were family had were waiting in the pub down the road. I mean, it sounds crazy, isn't it? Like they were waiting for us. So we just went went over there and had a drink and were just kind of shell shocked from the whole thing. Um and yeah, we 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 collected her like she stayed in the hospital. We stayed that night and then a couple of days later we we had the funeral so we actually had a quite quick compared to for UK standards it's normally two weeks but we had family over and everything and we were just like please can we just do it now because you know we didn't want everyone to have to fly home and fly back again so um yeah it was over quite quick in the end when you know like the whole grieving process like that funeral process was was quite quick which was I was pleased about how are you and Dave in the weeks following Alice's passing? How are you? How are you as a couple? And how are you with your family? Well, obviously. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. My family went back. So what we actually did was we went, we flew to Thailand. So while we were in hospital, we were like, fuck this. Let's use some of the maternity money we've saved and get out of Dodge. So within two weeks afterwards, we flew out of the country and it was absolutely what we needed like we needed time on our own we needed heat I know that sounds bizarre but we we felt so it was November end of November into December at this point and we just felt so cold the trauma was just so chilling um and we just needed to learn to to smile again and and that happened on that trip we went to Angkor Wat and did some like amazing 
things and we just lay on the beach and we met people, random people and drank a lot. Um, uh, so, and then we came home for Christmas and that I wish we'd stayed out there to be fair. Like that Christmas was really hard because it was literally a month after she'd passed away to the month to the day. So that was really difficult. And then the following two months, I was like every day I was just waiting to five or six o'clock so I could have a glass of wine because I was just numbing myself. I just didn't didn't know where to start with understanding, processing, relief. Like none of that was on my radar. It was purely avoidance for the first few months. And then I think around the three month mark, I I'd had a healing session with this Croatian couple years prior about two years prior and I got them on Skype again and I was like I need some help and I explained everything and they 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 helped me a lot and like every day until that point I'd felt like I had a knife in my chest you know like like I'd been stabbed literally like my heart was ripped into and then after that session with them it just slowly got less and less it just like dissipated and eventually after a couple of weeks it was gone and then I kind of felt like I was coming out of that darkness and I decided to go back to work because I needed something I just needed to do something like I was kind of going out of my brain a little bit so I went back on like a reduced hour kind of re-entry to work and they were brilliant I mean I could have taken my whole maternity leave but I was like what would I do it would just it would make me feel a lot worse, to be honest. Um, so yeah, I went back to work and then it was, so that was kind of around the March, April time. And then I got pregnant. So very luckily, um, we got pregnant probably around the May time, April, May time. Um, with that brought a lot of relief because I felt like I was in this kind of limbo between this grieving world and the future I wanted, which was motherhood. Um, and I, during that time, it just felt like I was literally stuck, waded in, you know, heavy water. And then when I got pregnant, it just brought a huge sense of relief. Oh, great. Like I'm actually moving forward now. You know, that 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 future that we wanted is 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 now accessible and attainable but also then with with what brought with that was panic and uh, fear and more trauma and you know more flashbacks like I was getting a lot of flashbacks um intrusive thoughts all this kind of stuff so I think it was great on one hand but I was still very soon it was still very soon and so a couple of months in you know, you start to think ahead, like once I was kind of secure that everything was okay. And prior to that, we did have genetic tests after, after Alice was born and Alice didn't have any genetic condition. And so Dave and I didn't have any genetic condition. So we knew that, like, I knew in my heart that I would be like, that there was nothing wrong with her. You know what I mean? I don't, I wasn't worried about her. It was more, I was worried about birth and that kind of final stages of, the pregnancy. So my sister had had some EFT, which is tapping emotional freedom technique um, for a car crash where she has experienced PTSD as well. 
And I was like, okay, great. I need some, I need some of that. And I found, I just literally Googled it and found Kate, my local practitioner. And she had a package of about six sessions that I could use, which was a pregnancy package. So she had trained specifically in helping people with birth trauma or preparing for birth, releasing. Often, actually, our own births can cause us problems in our lifetime, which is a whole other conversation, but is is pretty amazing. Um, and so she kind of had all the tools. And I did five sessions with her before our second baby was born. And I kept one for afterwards. And I'm so glad I did because I really needed that. Um, so, yeah, so I that's how I kind of found the tapping um and again that first session was kind of life-changing and you know we worked through various parts of the um of the grief of Alice and I I don't know when I came to accept it like I can't remember when that forgiveness that acceptance came and I'm but I'm sure it was kind of within those kind of first definitely within the first year and through the support of Kate and possibly like the tapping. Um, but I don't remember it as like a very conscious thing. And maybe it was a gradual thing, if that makes sense. <laughs> so undoubtedly, you were quite anxious throughout your pregnancy. So before EFT, did you feel like you could enjoy your pregnancy or you allowed yourself to settle and enjoy your pregnancy at all? I probably wasn't very present. Like I was probably thinking the past, thinking the future rather than being present in the, in the moment. I definitely towards the end and with the help of Kate, um, was a lot more kind of like hands on belly, communicating, visualizing into the baby and, and reconnecting and apologizing for maybe not being as connected up front and stuff. And, um, so there was a lot of connection once I'd had that support, but probably early days, I didn't. It was, you know, when I suppose when you're on your own with this grief and with this anxiety, you kind of don't really know where, what to do with it, do you? So what were your preferences yeah. uh, regarding labour and birth? What did you decide to <laughs> do this time around? I was like, there's no way I'm doing natural labour. <laughs> like, um, from very early doors, I was like, elective C-section and I'm going back to the same hospital. Now, don't ask me why I went back to the same hospital. We were still having... At that point, I mean, it took nearly three years to get a resolution with the hospital. Um, but that's a whole other conversation. So I I wanted, I almost wanted them to like red carpet me, if that made sense. Like I wanted them to do it properly and I wanted to be looked after by the best person and I wanted them to like treat me right. That's, I think, why I went back to that hospital. Um, and... So yeah, I had, oh, I was treated high risk the whole way. So over here in the UK, you don't really pay for private. There's no kind of upgrade to private. Everything is kind of through the NHS unless you go to a private hospital, which is separate and would cost 20 grand or 30 grand or something. So um, luckily I was noted as high risk from the start. So I got all my consultant, like I got all my hospital uh, appointments in hospital with a consultant, which is different to the usual here because you usually just get community midwife led, which is um, the standard, and which is which is great. And I've I'll get to that in a minute. Um, so I had all my consultant appointments. We booked the date. I was able to choose the date, so I got to choose the number twenty seven, which is my favorite number. Um, so I got to be able to choose that for Casper, and it was a week. Sorry, a year and a week after Alice was born. Can you believe a year and a week? Um, and 
yeah, so like with the work I'd done with Kate, it was all kind of, we did loads of like future work. So what fears would I have and what fears did I have and everything like that. And so we tapped away and all that stuff. So when it came to it, I was absolutely not worried at all about C-section. I was so calm. My blood pressure was perfect. The The woman was so surprised when she took my blood pressure that morning. She was just like, oh, wow, like you're really chilled. <laughs> it's like, yeah, like I just felt really good. Felt like I was really positive. And it was a great experience. It was at really, really as good as a cesarean could go. I got skin to skin. Dave got skin to skin. And um, the the recovery ward and everything afterwards, everything, everything was great. And my family were there because we knew what date it was. So, you know, there was people there to support and, and, and meet Casper. Yeah. Yeah. It was a very joyful moment for everybody really, because it had been a difficult year for the whole family that with the trauma. Um, um, what wasn't, well, what, what I didn't work through with Kate and what I hadn't anticipated was a couple of things. So one was that I kind of didn't recover very well from this. I lost a lot of blood, but they didn't give me a blood transfusion. And I also am not, not sure they gave me particularly anything for the iron. I'm not sure. But so my, I didn't recover very well. So I had I did have to go back into hospital. You know, like usually after a cesarean friend was listening it's like every day you feel a little bit better but every day I was kind of feeling a little bit worse like I was getting very quite shaky not able to eat on my own like Dave would have to feed me um and I was really struggling with being a mother at that point because I was not feeling very well at all and um one night late at night I kind of passed a blood clot so we rang the hospital and they were like come in so all three of us had to go in and um I had they did have no room for us. So they put us back on the labor ward where we could hear all the people having giving birth. And so that was very triggering for Dave and for me because when we'd had the cesarean, we were kept out of all of that kind of, you know, it was like theater and recovery, you know, so it was quite different. And, and obviously then we had Casper with us, you know, in this little cot beside my bed. So I was just literally, I was on a drip. It was only really 24 hours or maybe a little bit longer that I was in there for, but it did help. And then after that, um, I was able to recover, but it was, you know, it was slow, much slower than I'd anticipated. And the other biggest thing that I found more triggering was bringing Casper home. So, you know, kind of like the, the bringing your baby home in the car seat is, you know, it's like a real, it's a, it's a lovely moment, isn't it? And obviously we, with with Alice, we didn't get to do that. And in fact, because we brought the car seat in with us into hospital, the car seat was sat there for those few days and we eventually got someone to take it away. Like it was, it was such a visual, visual reminder that we weren't going to be taking a baby home. Like it's, it's horrible actually. Um, and so when we, when we brought Casper home and I walked through the door and I got pulled, take, took him out of the car seat, I just burst into tears. It was just like, it would just had finally dawned on me what we'd lost because I think Alice was obviously our first child. We didn't have that reference. We didn't have those experiences. I think maybe losing a second or a third or fourth child is harder because you know exactly what you have lost. So I found that really triggering. So within the first few days of getting home, I had to have another session of tapping because I found breastfeeding difficult. Basically, it was like this 
trauma was re-triggered that I hadn't anticipated or this this car seat incident was a was a big trigger and it brought up new feelings and I'm all the struggling I was having with breastfeeding I mean it was probably all oxytocin related trauma related bonding related there was definitely because I was so sick like I just didn't it wasn't like I was sat in bed with him skin to skin for for days you know enjoying a beautiful bonding experience I just didn't have that so I think all of that combined I found that really difficult and probably took me a while to kind of move through that. And when did you feel like things got a little bit easier or or did you? It sounds like previous feelings uh, started to come to the forefront of your mind again when you got home. I am the master of distraction. So I think I just distracted myself with being a new mom, meeting new people. Um, I also started a business with my sister, <laughs> um, selling kids clothes online. And it, it was like, I was so happy to have something other than motherhood to think about. And I, I can see now why I did what I did. And, but it absolutely saved me, really. Like I, I felt, I don't know, like I felt like I had more, more purpose or something. It just, I, and it was distraction, but it worked. And, I, and during that time, yeah, I just slowly started to to feel better and more myself. But I'm, I don't even, yeah, everything's been very gradual. There was never kind of just like one moment when I felt, oh, that I'm, I'm more me now. And I think it's only looking back that you go, oh God, yeah, I really wasn't myself, you know? Um, yeah, so I think it probably was over the following couple of years that I, and I continued to tap so I was reading tapping books and I was doing tapping YouTube videos and and trying to do some, have some awareness and do some work over that time. But it wasn't very regular. Like it, I'm not saying I was a, a religious daily tapper or anything. Um, it was definitely more sporadic than that. So will we chat about your third pregnancy? Yes. Yeah. So um, I think Casper was only about a year and a half a bit yeah but it was about a year and a half and uh, we got pregnant with our obviously third baby um and this time around everything just felt felt different it felt much more like my first pregnancy calmer more relaxed I wasn't as hungry like Casper I was so depleted after Alice that's another reason why I think I we did go a bit too soon too early um was that I was very depleted so you know, I was fainting when I was pregnant and I was always hungry. So I think your body needs to also, you know, you've you've grown a baby for nine months. Your body needs to recover before you grow another baby. You know what I mean? So I think there's an element of, now that's not for everyone. A lot of people want to go, obviously we I didn't do that. But I think in hindsight, I think having a bit more time for the body to recover is, is good. Um, so with Josh, I just felt so much better. And obviously you've got another toddler to, to look after too. So you kind of just get on with it, don't you? A lot, a lot quicker than, um, your first pregnancy maybe. Um, and somehow in the middle of his pregnancy, I kind of decided that I was going to be, I was going to do tapping and tapping was going to be something that I wanted to share with the world because I just felt like, I was I was trying to Google YouTube videos for moms and I wasn't getting anything specifically for moms. And I was just like, 
oh, that's interesting. There's kind of a bit of a gap here. Um, and I wasn't really seeing EFT or tapping being talked about hugely in the media or in social channels. And I was scrolling my Instagram feed and all these people were being very honest about their about how they were feeling. And in my head, I was screaming at them. It's like, I know what will work. I've got a tool. <laughs> but I obviously couldn't do anything about that. So I was like, right, I'm going to train. I'm going to train. I'm going to show people how to do this. And um, so that kind of came into my head. And I decided that I was going to use Josh's birth almost like proof, proof that I could use tapping to have a natural birth. So I decided to have a vaginal birth um, after cesarean, so VBAC. And I went back to Kate and I think I only did one or two sessions with her, maybe two sessions. And we cleared more around the birth of Alice. So this for me was more about the the labour part and the disappointment of the labour, you know, so quite separate to the loss part of it, which we'd worked on, but it was much more around the, the labour, being let down by the staff and, and all that kind of stuff, which we hadn't looked at before. So we did that and then we did a session kind of basically where you you create a vision of how you want your birth to be and then you take your baby through it. It's like you're playing them a movie and it's something you can do over and over and over again. Um, and it's you're really kind of tuning in to your baby, connecting, you know, sharing love and all this kind of stuff. It's, it's really, really nice. So we did that. And I'm not kidding, like his birth was as as I planned every part of it down to the music I was playing. Um, I, we went to a different hospital. Hurrah! We went to a different hospital and it was incredible. I'm so pleased that we did. So we were lucky. We I was able to, because of the location between these two hospitals, I was able to, to move over to another one. And um, yeah, so I, because of my, um, because of my history and past, they had home midwife care. So from about four or five months, my midwife would come to the house for my appointments. And that was just the most beautiful thing. The same midwife, the same, you know, coming to my space, doing her thing. Um, and she was part of a team of four midwives doing this particular, the Indigo team, I think. And um, she was due to be with me on the, my day unless she was off and not working. Um, so that was the plan. But of course, as things would pan out. Um, she was off on the day that I went into labour. But um, because of the team of four, each of them knew exactly about the other women that they had on their on their books. So they'd literally just sub somebody in from that team and I wouldn't have to repeat a single word. Like they just knew everything about me because that's what I found over here as well, that every time I met somebody new, I had to tell them the story over again. It was just like it's nothing, it's nothing electronic these days they're all in these bloody paper notes you've got to take with you every appointment it's like in the dark ages still anyway so that was brilliant I knew that if she couldn't be there on that day that someone in her team who knew everything about me would be able to just come in and and, and help so um I rang the hospital and I explained the situation and they said yeah come on in and even though I was probably only about three, four centimetres. So they, they brought us straight into a suite 
with the pool, but I knew I already knew I wasn't going to use the pool. I needed to be on a monitor because of the the cesarean scarring. They wanted to make sure that there was no problems. But the lead was really long, so the I didn't even notice that the trace was on. It was like over on the other side of the room, and I was kind of set up um, by the window, and I used the ledge of the pool as like to lean on quite a lot. And I had my I had my crystals, my aromatherapy, my homeopathic stuff. I had my affirmations. Dave, I had my tapping. Dave was pushing like the the points on my lower back, which is like, I think the kidney point or something, which is really good. So every contraction I had, he was pushing into my lower back. That's really nice for him pain. to be able to do something for you too. Yeah, gives them something to do, doesn't it? Um, I was like, well, you're going to bloody work as well as me. <laughs> and I stood up the whole time. And I had my music playing and it was like, it was daytime. I think we went in at 12 in the afternoon. He went off and got me like a massive chocolate brownie at one point. And it was, yeah, so there came a point when I was quite dilated, but the waters hadn't broken. And this lovely midwife was like, what we can do is we can give it a little bit more time and then we can pop them. So I was like, okay, let's give it a little bit more time. And anyway, we ended up having to, she had to, to pop them um but the relief I felt when the waters go this was just amazing um and so when so every time I sat down so I sat down to have that every time I sat down everything stopped it was like we're gonna do this and we're gonna do this upright because there's nothing else happening every time I sit down so we actually used that time to have give myself a bit of a rest and I stayed sitting down for a period of time um and then I also requested a shot now I can't remember the name of this shot so basically it's kind of like it was an injection to kind of help just get over that final like you know that really hard bit uh and it's not pethidine it's something else diamorphine or something that was it and so I was like okay I'll have some diamorphine and then I didn't have I didn't have gas in there I just had dimorphine um and then I was like right as soon as the dimorphine's in we stood up and we st- I started pushing so it was kind of like it was we had a little bit of respite and then as soon as I stood up again it was like everything was it was on and it was full go and I I think it was about 15 minutes of pushing I didn't feel very long at all um and she caught him so basically she she'd asked me how I wanted the whole thing so she got the little cub set up in front of me. Do you know that? The blow-up cub? Yeah. Yeah. So she had that kind of in between my legs. And she stood behind me. And she basically caught Josh, pushed him through so I could see him. And then I was able to pull him up to my chest. Oh, gorgeous. And uh, that was just like, oh, God, I'm getting shivers th- thinking about it. It was amazing. It was just like, I felt like superwoman. And it felt like the 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 labor and the birth that I needed to complete my my motherhood journey. And it was like, it was just such a gift. And he didn't make a sound. He was just so chilled. Like I didn't hear him cry till the next day. He was, and he was huge. He was like eight pounds six. And of course, at the very end, his little shoulder gave me a little tear. Thanks. 
Thanks, Josh. So I have to get a, have to have a little repair, but she did that in the room, which was amazing. And um, Dave got to do all the skin to skin while I was, I was sitting there actually messaging everybody <laughs> say he was here as my legs were being like stirruped and everything was going on down below. Um, but what was, what happened was like, after that, I walked and had my shower. I got changed. I pushed my baby in in the the cot to a ward where they settled us in for the night. So this is around 11 o'clock or something. So we'd had, you know, from half seven to 11 in this room. And then I, yeah, I got, I, I was just like on a high. A lot of adrenaline, a lot of oxytocin, lots of skin to skin, some great feeding and very beautiful different experience and and then I was left Dave Dave went home and think and you know I was in a room a ward of like I think maybe five or six other maybe five other women but I mean three o'clock the next day I was home (laughs) you know it was amazing I was like we all feel grand he's feeding grand like see you later and they you know um, I think they're even they're even quicker now with people if they're if they're grand like and especially a second time mum or something then they just go home and relax and enjoy and get into your own bed and have your own you know your own things around you I think that's so much nicer um so yeah that three very different experiences and you know I do believe that it was all meant to be as it was and I'm very grateful to those experiences. Like I have a very spiritual connection with Alice. I see her, I can talk to her. I, in my mind's eye, you know, like when I meditate and stuff and yeah, I, I suppose I have come to very deep acceptance that that is our relationship going forward and I'm okay with that. Um, and I feel lucky to get to that place because I know lots of people struggle with that because they really want that partic- that baby with them and stuff. So I, I do know that that's not easy, but that is a place that I have managed to get to. Amazing. Thank you so much, Sarah. Thank you. You're welcome. So for anyone who wants to get in touch with you, I will just link everything on the show notes or your social media, your own podcast and your website. So yeah, thank you so much, Sarah, for chatting to me tonight. I could have spoken to you all night and for sharing your experiences. Thanks a million. Have a lovely evening. Take care. Bye bye. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. If you'd like to share your story, you're more than welcome to. You can get in touch via Instagram at Ireland's Birth Stories or you can reach out over the website irelandsbirthstories.ie. I look forward to bringing you another episode. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.